is Bloomberg Surveillance. What I think the markets are doing is adjusting to the fact that things are going to be lower longer. Interest rates are going to stay lower longer than people anticipate. Low inflation is very good for stocks. It has proven to be over the last 50 plus years. The biggest banks are still, in my judgment, too big to fail. And if you had multiple banks run into trouble at the same time, they would still get bailed out. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, I'm Michael McKee. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 1 p.m. in Brussels, where David Cameron is still negotiating on an anti-Brexit deal. We'll get an update from Chatham House today. Here in the U.S., the political campaign gets no more enlightening. In fact, it gets more complicated. Stan Collender will be along in a bit. And this you will want to pay attention to. PwC energy industry analyst Reed Morrison on the outlook for industry bankruptcies ahead. We're getting closer to the time when the banks reset the loans and some people aren't going to be able to pay. Speaking of energy and oil, oil prices are lower this morning. West Texas 3017 is down almost 2%. It's a 1.7% decline for Brent 3369. And with oil down, you know where stocks are. The stock 600 is off by four points now, 1%. The DAX down 105, 1.1%. The FTSE's off uh, 39. That's seven-tenths, but we'll give them a little bit of a break on the oil question because there's still uncertainty in England about what's going on with Brexit. Uh, the pound 142.85 is lower right now. Here in the U.S., futures significantly lower following yesterday's uh, Slight sell-off. S&P futures down nine points, half a percent. A half percent decline for Dow E-mini futures, 74 points. And NASDAQ futures are down 22. That's half a percent as well. The money seems to be going into the yen. Yen uh, stronger today, 112.82. Abinomics suffering. Uh, not going into the euro. The euro, 111.07 is flat on the day. It does seem to be going into bonds, though. Ten-year note yield is down to 1.72%, 118 for your five-year, and the two-year at 69 basis points. The German two-year now down to a negative 54 basis points. So you can see what is happening. Oil is lower, but industrial metals are higher uh, today. I hadn't noticed this until uh, somebody pointed it out to me. Um, I mentioned it because you may not realize that in all the gloom, Commodities overall are not doing what you might think. The Bloomberg Commodity Index is up more than 3% over the last 30 days. Hamza Khan is head of commodities strategy for ING. He joins us now. Uh, we, I mean, the story was that commodities were in this never-ending slump and dragging the global economy down with them, and it was being led by oil. Now, oil is is volatile but it's still in a range. But the rest of the commodities world seems to be flattening out. Have we put in a bottom, Hamza? Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're seeing the influence of the PBOC and the ECB stepping in and saying they're supporting markets, improving the outlook for industrial metals in China, and, and we're seeing that reflected in copper prices and, and aluminum prices. Oil still has something of a hangover due in part to the big build and stories that we saw yesterday due to the huge inventory levels around the world uh, and due to the Saudi, Russia, Venezuela, Iran, and Iraq talks. So I think we're now moving into a phase where, yes, there could still be weakness for specific commodities, but as we look to the broader picture for the commodity complex as a whole, and i.e. the economies as a whole, 
uh, moving into the second half 2016, there seems to be more for the upside than there is on the downside. Let's take oil out of the question for a moment because we talk about it ad infinitum uh, and ask what other commodities are seeing action at this point. I, when when you look at an economic from an economic point of view, I always go to copper, and I was surprised to see that copper is uh, generally strong right now. Not, not strong. I don't want to make that say go too far, but uh, has flattened out and is up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's um, it's indicative of the huge sell off that we've seen in the last two years that we can see prices. For copper trading at the four and a half thousand level and still considered that bullish, but I think people are now looking at the level of cash production costs. They're saying a four is beginning to be established because we we're simply running out of the ability to, to mine uh, at current levels, whether that's your high quality um, bauxite or your copper. Uh, producers simply cannot provide at, at current price levels, and that sets up a super cycle in the future. And if you're a trader, you're a smart guy. Do you want to wait until prices are significantly higher uh, in 2017, 2018, and then put in your long position? Well, or do you want to start positioning yourself earlier? And that's, I think, what we're seeing in the industrial metal. Wait a minute. I have to stop you there and ask you. Well, mm-hmm. You said the word super cycle. There's a mm-hmm. difference between going up, even a right. cyclical rise, and a super cycle, which you know we think of as lasting years or decades. Right. So if we're if we're not investing in infrastructure today, it can take us much longer than we expect to bring production back online. The example here would be the U.S. oil industry in the 80s and the 90s when we shut in production due to uh, very low prices in the 80s. When we tried to bring those U.S. oil fields back online in the 90s as prices began to go higher, we discovered we weren't able to, and that set up the 2000 to 2008 uh, commodity boom. So we run the risk of a similar situation forming in the future. Hamza Khan with us with uh, ING as we look at commodity markets. As Michael said, uh, contrary to the gloom, uh, some of the commodities actually had a pretty remarkable uh, week. Chicago Copper 207.50, uh, of course, breaching 200 um, a while back. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance. This Friday, brought to you by Invesco. Don't settle for average in your portfolio to Invesco, the right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. Uh, uh, Michael, what I would see on the screen is a German two-year. I mean, all the yields are in as they were yesterday. and Actually, the U.S. two-year breaking down right now ever so slightly. But the German two-year is really beginning to make about back towards February 11 lows. We're not there yet. But nevertheless, there it is. Well, there's a lot of nervousness, everybody says, about what's going on in Brussels. With the, the yeah, Brexit. and Caroline Hyde made very clear we really don't know when the meeting ends. They're trying to give them an well, agreement. Yesterday. Didn't end. Yeah. We'll keep everybody informed on that. Hamza Khan with us again as we look at uh, commodities. Hamza, I see a sogginess in oil. Stephen Shork with us, a Shork report earlier this week, remarkably ambivalent about which way it goes. Do you have a conviction on oil? I have a very strong conviction that if demand goes higher, oil prices will go higher. Because we talk about oversupply in the market, we talk about a lot of barrels, we talk about a lot of storage, and in the short term, absolutely, that's going to lead to, for instance, the sell-off we saw after the DOE report. But in the long run, we're talking two months, six months, if the U.S. equities recover, if the Asian markets recover, oil is going higher. And I, and I can't be more emphatic about that. What about uh, beyond um, oil 
and gas because they seem to be operating on um, uh, supply and demand as opposed to um, demand only in some of the other uh, commodities. Um, when you look at industrial metals, and I'm talking lead, zinc, uh, that sort of thing, uh, is, there, is there a feeling that the markets are in balance and we're just looking for a renewal of demand brought about by these central banks, or is there a big overhang there as well that's going to keep prices depressed for a long time? Right. So that will depend um, on on the on the specific metals. So, for, for instance, with iron ore, I think everyone's expecting a large amount of supply to remain depressed prices, whereas when it comes to aluminum, the rest of the world outside of China isn't something of a deficit. So there are opportunities for uh, imbalances in supply and demand. And, and I think what people sometimes overlook is that, yes, we have very large inventories, but if you look at the absolute consumption numbers, uh, whether that's for your copper or for your aluminum, we can yeah. get through those inventories very quickly, and we have been. If you look at the LME inventory levels, regardless of the metal, they've all been trending lower. You're in the trenches on this. How do you respond when somebody away from your strategy bent says, we're waiting for corporate balance sheets to clear, are we seeing national and corporate balance sheets clearing bad will in mining? Is that process occurring? Absolutely. So I was, I was, in, uh, I was in Houston talking to some of the uh, oil and gas producers last week. I was, I was, I was in Singapore talking to the, to the iron ore producers. And we're seeing uh, a lot of companies stepping in to figure out they've got their backs to the wall. They're smart people. They're figuring out how can we survive in a, a $20 per barrel uh, environment. Yeah. Hamza, thank you so much. Hamza Khan uh, with ING uh, with us. Um, Hamza Khan, thank you again so much on commodities. Mike, I, I really, you know, with commodities, you lose sight because there's so many to follow. Look at natural gas. 1.846 really legging down this week towards lows seen in December. Have you been outside? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's obviously uh, that's it. But the fact is, it, 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 I, I can't say enough. You know, Caroline, I'd use the phrase messy. The indeterminate nature of market action this week, Mike, I haven't seen in ages. Like, you really don't even know where different asset classes are going in their correlations as well. And they may even move through the morning. The John Deere headlines, I think, really put a weight. Uh, you know, we are flat. Green on the screen, actually, right now. Futures negative nine. Dow futures negative 70 as John Deere sharply adjusted their view forward. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Mazda White Plains. Visit MazdaWhitePlains.com. Here's Michael Barr with headlines. Mike, Tom, we have developing news. American warplanes have struck multiple targets in Libya overnight, hitting what was apparently an Islamic State training camp and a senior extremist leader. That is according to a U.S. official who did not want to be identified. Supreme Court officials say Justice Antonin Scalia's casket will arrive this morning to be carried up the court steps to the Great Hall, where it will lie in repose. Thousands of mourners, including President Obama, members of Congress, former justices, and tourists, will pay their respects to one of the court's most influential members. A funeral mass for Scalia will be held tomorrow. The lawyer for a Texas teenager who used an affluenza defense in a fatal drunken driving wreck 
has said he will not challenge a transfer of the case to adult court. 18-year-old Ethan Couch is due to appear in court today for a hearing on the question. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Mike Lubar. Mike, Tom? Uh, Michael, thanks so much. Uh, West Texas, $30.11. Wait to the day, but not through to a 29 handle uh, yet. From New York, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by your Tri-State BMW centers. Visit them online at TriStateBMW.com. At BMW, they make only one thing, the ultimate driving machine. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Cameron Moscow. This update's brought to you by CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work. Deer and Company down almost 2% this morning. The world's largest agricultural equipment maker cutting its fiscal full year profit and sales forecast amid a worsening outlook for farmers as they face declining incomes. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, lower, along with oil prices. S&P E-mini futures down 7 points. Dow E-mini futures down 64. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 18. DAX in Germany is down 9 tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds. The yield 1.72 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2 percent or 60 cents to $30.17 a barrel. COMEX gold up 7 tenths percent or $8.10 cents to 12.34.40 an ounce. The euro, $1.1112, the yen, $112.83. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Thank you, Karen. Well, uh, if if anything, uh, it's, it's almost hard to believe that the presidential race could get more toxic, but it did yesterday with the uh, the Pope getting involved with Donald Trump, etc. Uh, anything but edifying. One of the things that is now becoming clear is that... Uh, the, the collateral damage out of all this is going to be trust, uh, what trust is remaining in Washington and our government as all the candidates run around talking about how um, we have a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, government in Washington. Stan Collender has to deal with that government on a daily basis. He is uh, Executive Vice President, National Director of Financial Communications for the MSL Group. And uh, Stan, I, I'm just wondering what real estate prices are like in Washington these days. I mean, is it like, a, you know, nobody's going to be able to sell their house because nobody wants to go in, live in toxic Washington? Well, usually what happens, uh, I mean, it's funny you should ask, um, the real estate prices in, in the Washington area are completely dependent on the election cycle, and they vary depending upon uh, who, whether a Democrat or a Republican is more likely to get elected. Republicans tend to buy in the uh, suburbs. <laughs> um, so given that everything is on hold at the moment because things are so crazy uh, or couldn't get much crazier, we think, uh, real estate is not moving as quickly in Washington as it used to. You just said a funny thing. Couldn't get much crazier. And then that's what we said last week. And then Antonin Scalia dies. And now it's crazier. Yeah. And now the Pope, of course, decided that he was part of the, new, the U.S. election process. Um, well, it wasn't his fault. It was a reporter's fault. But anyway. Yeah, but but still. Um uh, these are things, and, and you should expect more unexpected things. And this is the time in the election that candidates can't plan for everything happening. And what we used to in a general election call an October surprise now is becoming a February surprise, a March surprise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can't do anything about what the candidates are doing and saying out, uh, out there, but we do have to w- worry about what is actually happening. Uh, the companies and investors who are listening to us um, – 
want to know what is going to happen, what is happening in Washington. And I guess uh, from your notes, nothing at this point is well, happening anymore because of what's going on. Well, not only is nothing happening, but you should expect, uh, the market should expect that Washington is basically going to be dysfunctional for the rest of the year. Maybe next year, too, but let's just deal with this well, year. Let, let, let's jump into that. I think it's with your – we should explain your experience. You spent years up on Capitol Hill with finance and fiscal and budget matters. As an outsider to the judicial process, what are you watching for in the coming weeks and months? Uh, well, the first thing is you would expect the Democrats to uh, go after Mitch McConnell in a variety of ways, using the legislation, legislative processes. Uh, they, they can basically because of his comments of uh, – post the Justice Scalia's death. Uh, they'll slow down the appropriations process to the point where not much is going to happen until the very end of the fiscal year uh, or the beginning of the next year, and that's exactly the opposite of what he expected. But also things like tax reform not going anywhere. Um, and the biggest thing uh, you had on, on yesterday, Larry, Larry uh, Summers saying, we need fiscal policy. There is going to be no fiscal policy. Whatever happens on the budget will happen by accident, not intentionally. Well, if... Uh if we're going to stop everything, is that necessarily a bad thing? It's been argued for years that the best uh, scenario hard, yeah. for Wall Street yeah. is that Washington is becalmed because nothing negative happens and there's a certain certainty uh, to policy. Well, that would be fine if the economy were doing well and the expectations were that it was going to continue to do well. But with the Fed having limited amounts of uh, limited tools at its disposal – uh, and you would expect or, or you would well, – the markets would hope that uh, Washington would be functioning better so that if they needed to do something, they could. Um, that's what – that's the, the real fallacy about let's just have Washington do nothing. First of all, um, that's only good when you don't need Washington to do something. And at this point, there are a lot of folks who say there are some things that should be done, some sort of stimulus plan, a tax cut, something like that uh, to keep the economy going. But um, you remember the big thing is expectation here. And right now, there's no way you can expect what Washington is doing with any degree of uh, certainty or, or, or confidence. But if you're a if you're a serious investor and, and you're following all this, you're not expecting any kind. Even absent the poisonous atmosphere we've got, you're not expecting any kind of fiscal action. I mean, all the talk about Washington should do something is, as near as I can tell, from outside the Beltway. Anybody in Washington actually saying, well, maybe it would be a good idea to pass something? Um, well, there are a lot of things that some people would like to pass, uh, for example, international tax reform or corporate tax reform. Um, there are things that people would like uh, that's just not going to happen. And the question here is when could it happen? I mean, we're, what we're looking at is not just a, uh, a freeze-in-place situation for the rest of this year, but possibly for the next couple of years as well, where the Senate may be turning hands narrowly or, or right. you know, so not much is going to go on. Where are we then, with with all of that background quickly here, where are we on sequester, su- su- shutdown, and the rest of it? Is that all old news, or are those options that you study? Um, they're options, but they're not. They're very, very less likely. This very year. less likely. Very less likely. We don't get the shock at all. And, you, and there's no debt ceiling issue this year at all. Okay. Stan Collender, we'll talk to him about the fiscal discussion on the campaign trail. We've got to review, what do we got, Mike? South Carolina and Nevada for the Democrats this weekend. Nevada for the Democrats, South Carolina. And then the Democrats go back to South Carolina when? A week from now? A week from Saturday. And the Republicans go to Nevada on Tuesday. Go figure. What does Stan Collender hear out on the campaign trail? Maybe it's different than what Mike McKee and I hear or don't hear as well. We'll discuss that with Stanley Collender of Corvus, MSL Group Futures.
uh, to review or flat John Deere with a bombshell forecast, weak, weak forecast forward. Futures deteriorate, negative 8, Dow futures, negative 67. Oil got down to $30 and a penny, looking for a 29 handle on West Texas Intermediate. It is a good Friday morning. We want you to stay with us. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealer. When it comes to winter elements, put your best four wheels forward with Mercedes-Benz Formatic All-Wheel Drive. Visit your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealer for a test drive today. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 99.1, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee, 730 on Wall Street, uh, TGIF, as Wall Street struggles to find a reason to go higher this morning. John Deere, well, now it's called Deere and Company. Some of us are old enough to remember John. Uh, the world's largest agricultural equipment maker cutting its fiscal full-year profit and sales forecast, worsening outlook for farmers these days. Deere shares down 1.3%. On the good news side, shares of applied materials are up Almost 9%, the largest maker of the machines that produce computer chips, predicted sales this quarter that could beat analysts' estimates. Starwood Hotel CEO says that company may be in talks to sell properties, including the St. Regis in New York. And Citigroup increased Chief Executive Mike Corbett's compensation 27%. He made $16.5 million last year. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, thank you very much. A U.S. official says American warplanes hit multiple targets in Libya overnight. The official says one of the targets hit was an Islamic State training camp, and also a senior extremist leader was also hit. The official says at least 30 Islamic State recruits were killed. The casket-carrying Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia will lie in repose at the Supreme Court. Thousands of mourners will pay their respects today. A funeral mass for Scalia will take place tomorrow. The IRS is issuing a new warning about email scams. Crooks are sending out more bogus links and fake websites than ever to try and get access to taxpayers' personal data and bank account numbers. Senior IRS spokesperson Terry Lemons tells us the messages look official, but they're not. Every year at tax time, we see a real uptick in tax scams, but this year so far, we've seen a real surge of these email phishing incidents. Lemon says if you do come across one of these emails, just hit delete. Forecasters say this could be a busy hurricane season in the Atlantic. The co-founder of Weather Underground in Ann Arbor, Michigan, says he is looking for a lot more activity than we had last year with the removal of El Nino. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Here's Rob Bushka. Good morning, Mike. Rangers continue to impress down the stretch as they scored with a minute and a half left to break a two-all tie in Toronto. Fourth back, good pressure. Miller with a takeaway. Miller to Zuccarello. The shot scores! Derek Stepan off a great play by J.T. Miller. And the Rangers lead it 3-2. 
That's MSG on the call. Derek Broussard added an empty netter as New York topped the Leafs 4-2. to two. Rangers are third in the East. They've won 7-10. of 10. The news not so good for the Islanders, who had the misfortune of hosting the best record in the game, the Washington Capitals. League MVP candidate Alex Ovechkin notched a pair of goals. He has 37 on the year. Caps won 3-2 in overtime. The Islanders still in good shape, though, their fifth seed in the East. Devils on the outside looking in. They had the night off, as did both local basketball teams, but they're both on the court tonight squaring off with one another and prior to the game the Knicks they will or the Annettes will introduce their new general manager Sean Marks in a press conference and Major League Baseball pitchers and catchers have reported Grapefruit League action starts May 1st that's your NBC Bloomberg sports update Mike thank you Rob right now futures lower S&P futures off by six points that's three tenths of a percent same percentage decline for Dow futures they're off 53 Nasdaq futures down 15 right now four tenths of a percent This is Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. And you are listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. We're watching stocks try to get higher. Europe lower as well, three points down on the stock 600 now, nine-tenths of a percent. FTSE off by 27 points, half a percent. They, of course, engaged in the process of trying to negotiate a deal that would keep them in the European Union, and that has everybody on tenterhooks in the markets over there. We'll keep you up to date on that, and coming up uh, in a little while, we will uh, but uh, uh, we'll call it uh, 45 minutes from now. We'll get an update from Chatham House on uh, the negotiations and what we might expect. Now it is time for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. And good morning, Michael. It is 7.35 on Wall Street. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A story on the Bloomberg Today details how the government was working on a Plan B around the same time last year. It seemed to be backing off its pressure on technology makers to install backdoor entry into their software. A secret meeting convened by the White House led to an order for agencies across the U.S. government to develop encryption workarounds and find ways to gain access to the most heavily protected user data on the most secure consumer device. Devices, including the iPhone. Now Apple is back in the crosshairs with that court order to help the government gain access to the cell phone used by a California terrorist. And the battle of words is raging even before Apple delivers its court response. New York Police Commissioner William Bratton and Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. held a news conference to weigh in. Vance complaining that tech companies have created the first warrant-proof consumer products. This has become, ladies and gentlemen, the Wild West in technology. Apple and Google are their own sheriffs. There are no rules. This is a decision where to draw the line between public safety and privacy that needs to be made by independent players, the legislature, and the courts, not by two companies who've drawn the line coincidentally at a place which coincides with their economic self-interest. People familiar with the matter say Apple now has a little extra time to answer the court order. Its response now due a week from today. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Thank you very much, Bob Moon. Uh, we're talking with uh, Stan Collender, who is Executive Vice President and National Director for Financial Communications for uh, MSL Group in Washington. He has made his way north. Nobody wants to be in Washington these days, and the presidential candidates say it's such a terrible place, so it's understandable you would come up to New York. Uh, <laughs> 
Not, not to mention a lot of my clients are here and that the, the, the food is better. <laughs> not according to Tom Seitzma in the Washington Post, who wrote a really nasty column the other day uh, denigrating New York restaurants. Well, he, uh, we he, were talking about that yesterday with uh, 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 when we were doing our dining segment. Uh, well, we should talk about pizza and corned beef and bagels. And yeah. Anyway, some other exactly. time. We'll throw that up. You've been around Washington a long time. Uh, I spent an awful long okay. time in Washington. You and I go back to when uh, Vice President William Wheeler was presiding over the Senate uh, back in the 1870s. Uh, and I suppose for you, yourself, right? you, you almost have to go back that far to think of a time when relations on the Senate floor were as bad as they are now. I mean, in the uh, recon- in the Reconstruction era, of course, you had people uh, caning each other. We haven't gotten to that point yet. But uh, now that we have this Supreme Court fight coming up, in a place where the premium is on uh, hating thy neighbor, uh, how is this going to end up changing the Senate? I mean, can it get any worse uh, going forward? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, no, never say never. Uh, but... Here's the difference now. It's not just partisan. It's intra-party fights. Um, you've got a Senate where the Republicans have the majority, but the Republican majority hates Ted Cruz. And so he can't do anything on the floor. Um, you've got Democrats who won't work with Democrats, not just Democrats who won't work with Republicans and vice versa. Uh, so you, you've got this situation now among the people I speak with on a regular basis inside the Beltway or immediately outside. Uh we're all looking at each other going, what the hell is going on? There's nothing here that makes any sense. There's nothing here in the previous experience that it describes quite what's going on here. Uh, where, where, you know, it's the fight on the budget this year, what I'm very familiar with, is going to be a Republican versus Republican fight. It's going to be the Republicans in the House versus the Republicans in the Senate. And it may be some Republicans in the House, the Freedom Caucus versus other Republicans in the House. Democrats are just going to sit back and watch. In the meantime, you've got a House and Senate, a Congress that's not working, a lame dog president, and now we've got a 4-4 Supreme Court, and you've got people screaming at the uh, Fed saying, don't do anything, or we don't like what you are doing. So what institution is actually working? And for the market, which institution involved with economic policy is actually going to do its job over the next year? That's the question I keep asking. Which one is capable of doing it? Did Tom DeLay win? I mean, what you're describing is the ultimate goal of a certain wing of the Republican Party to completely sort of shut down Washington. I don't know if you could say Tom DeLay won. I mean, there are clearly a lot of people who are driving dissatisfaction with government. But the interesting thing is they're driving dissatisfaction in government so that they can take over the government and have it do what it want, what they want. So it's a temporary kind of thing. It's just a, it's a tactic as opposed to a, you know, a, a permanent strategy. Um, it notice that it's it, w- w- all this dissatisfaction is not reducing the amount the government's spending or the number of federal departments. Um, in fact, if anything, last year the Republicans uh, pushed through a tax bill that increased the deficit and increased the, the government borrowing. So that's not changing. It's just changing uh, the appearance of who's in charge and who's making it happen. All right. Stan Collender uh, from MSL Group in Washington, always making us feel better on a, <laughs> on a Friday morning. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we're talking about what's going on in the political world of Washington, D.C., where you can listen to Bloomberg Radio on 99.1 FM uh, every day and uh, keep up with uh, the latest news on what's happening. And I was going to say what's happening and what's not happening in Washington. <laughs> on Wall Street, what is happening is that we're heading for a lower open, it looks like. S&P futures down six points, three-tenths of a percent.
We're counting you down to the opening bell, brought to you by the refined Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland. It continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Jeep, the official vehicle of Killington Resort. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by CBOE RMC. Come to the CBOE Risk Management Conference February 29th to March 2nd at the Hyatt Regency, Coconut Point, Florida. Register and learn more at CBOERMCUS.com. U.S. stock index futures are lower to mirror a slide in oil prices, an indication the S&P 500 will pair a relief rally. That's put it on track for the best week since November. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 5.5 points. Dow E-mini futures down 49. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 14. The DAX in Germany is down 6 tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up 2.30 seconds. The yield 1.73 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 1.6 percent or 50 cents to $30.27 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent or $6 to $12.32.30 an ounce. The euro at $1.1114. The yen won 12.95. Deere & Company down about 1.7% this morning after cutting its full-year profit and sales forecast. Nordstrom down more than 8% after posting holiday results that fell short of projections. And Applied Materials, it's moving higher. It's up 8.5% after its quarterly sales forecast exceeded the average analyst estimate. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you very much. Still with us, Stan Collender, uh, National Director of Financial Communications for MSL Group, we're talking about Washington, D.C. We, we've talked about um, the depressing aspects of it, and so now let's get into the depressing aspects of it. Uh, we have a big Supreme Court fight coming up. Uh, we don't even know exactly how this is going to play out uh, in terms of you know who the president is going to nominate and how the Republicans will actually respond when they do. But what is your best guess? Because there are a lot of cases uh, before the court now, awaiting decision and cases that will be um, considered for cert that involve business and people uh, want as when you're talking about a, a swing in the court as as big as this one could be people want to know what's going to happen well all right uh, I'll, crystal ball obviously uh, first of all you had a lot of the decisions were expected to be five four uh, they will be unless there are changes in the way the judges are plan- justices are planning on voting they'll be four four and not moving forward uh, that'll leave the lower court decisions in place. Interesting thing is many of those lower court decisions were done by Democratic judges appointed by Obama. So in many respects, he wins, the, pro, the president wins, uh, with decisions that stay in place for a little while longer. Um, the, the bigger question is whether or not any Supreme Court justice can be nominated and approved, confirmed this year. The likelihood of that happening is very small. If you were to have a cup of coffee in Boston or Washington, San Francisco, Tulsa, Oklahoma, what would you say is the biggest misconception of how we choose our judicial leaders? Well, that we, we do it on the basis of merit, uh, on, on quality. Instead, you've got – if you listen to it now, it's people want to maintain the uh, ideological balance, the current ideological balance in the quarter that they're uh, appointed because they're appointed by life. You don't want a lame duck president appointing it regardless of how qualified someone can be. Um, the judicial nomination process is as political as anything in Washington, maybe more political because judges are appointed for life. And what is it within your reading? I mean, Mike and I are invested in this like are all Americans. But within your reading of the last few days, 
Is the president likely to go with a centrist? I mean, I think I've heard Justice Kennedy speak three times, and he defines the middle ground. I would be surprised if he did. Uh, You're the second person to say that, uh, Mike, on the show. And and I'll tell you why, because I don't think there's any expectation that whoever is nominated will move forward, so that the nomination itself will have political significance. He'll probably pick, and, and again, he doesn't call me and ask for my opinion on this, but if I were a betting man, I would say the president's likely to pick somebody who by virtue of his or her nomination, will we'll, we'll get the Democrats some points at the next election. That's an interesting, um, an interesting viewpoint because uh, whomever it is, it, the, the more liberal they are, the less likely there's any chance that they get confirmed, of course. But then there's no promise that they would be renominated by the next president. So if you are going to be the president's nominee, you've got to be willing to go through the vetting process, fill out all the forms and paperwork for nothing, you know, for 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 six months of being beaten about the head and shoulders in Washington and you get nothing at the end of it. Well, except that it could also work in the opposite direction, Mike. That is, uh, first of all, your, your your stature as a as, as a judge will rise immediately because you've been nominated to the Supreme Court, whether or not you actually get it. And especially if there's no vote against you, it's just no vote. Um, th- there's not a whole lot of negative about it. But second, there is some expectation that if a Democrat gets elected to the White House, whoever the president nominates for whoever President Obama nominates this year might simply get renominated next year, especially if there's a Democratic-controlled Senate. Well, it, 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 one assumes though that whomever a Bernie Sanders would nominate would, I mean, he would look for someone who's farther to the left than Obama would pick. Not, necess- not necessarily. And, and in fact, if you listen to the Republicans in, in Congress, that's absolutely not going to happen. But this is, goes back to something we talked about earlier. There's a really interesting Republican versus Republican fight here. You've got Republican conservative groups, ultra-conservative groups, demanding that there be no hearings whatsoever. You've got people like, like Chuck Grassley, senator from uh, Iowa, um, saying we're going to have hearings. Um, and so this, this is a – and he's a Republican. Big fights going on. Uh, and the Democrats can just sit back and watch the Republicans, you know, uh, well, you know, self, self, you know, destroy themselves. On a, a Friday question, if we can, you have given us wonderful perspective on a broken legislative process, your expertise of a broken fiscal process. From a distance, do you suggest we have a broken judicial progress? My take as an amateur, it's one of the few things that happens to work. Well, Whatever anybody's debate on it. Yeah, well, it, it, we're not talking about the judicial process. That is the decision by which they, the, the process by which they make decisions, but the process by which they select and confirm judges clearly is in trouble. Um, no matter how qualified somebody might be, it's it's not clear that a, a Brandeis or a Frankfurter could get uh, not, get elect, get, get confirmed. Well, okay, I've heard that before. Would you suggest that this is an important decision tree for people voting in key states? In November? Oh, absolutely. In fact, you think they're going to vote based on judicial decisions? No, I think. Well, some will, in order because on on everything from abortion to uh, Planned Parenthood to a variety of things like that, uh, the courts with, with a, a dysfunctional Congress, the courts have become the uh, the battleground in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they should be voting on is the process by which mm-hmm. the judges are confirmed. Can I can I bring it back to economics, finance, investment, Mike? Of course. What a novel concept. Let's review again for our audience and, frankly, for me, the importance of the plug-ins of GDP in our debt process. They're critical. We all know that. 
But right now, there's massive uncertainty about where the terminal long-term five-year, ten-year value is of GDP. Have you ever seen it like this? No, I never have, and I've also never seen the, the various organizations that do do forecasting be as unsure about what to do. The CBO has been great about it. I mean, they've been very open about it, I think. They, 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 they have. I mean, very open, very transparent. But don't forget, you've got a lot of pressure from Congress coming from on, on dynamic scoring and those types of things and what it actually means for the economy. Um, so the, there's a lot of uncertainty and, and there's a lot of disconnect between everything from GAO to CBO to OMB and everybody in between. Um, so it, it, it's and, – and, you know, they're not simply taking what Wall Street is doing, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they're coming up with their own. Does it matter if the, the number is 2.2% versus, say, a historic 3.2%? Oh, over, over a 10-year period. Over – in our budget Mass projections, yeah. it makes a huge difference. It's a huge right? difference. I mean, it's the difference between demands for deficit reduction um, or not. Hundreds of billions of dollars of delta over 10 years? Oh, easy, easy. And, and, and even it's going to be more as we get further to the out years. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, you okay over there? No, I'm, I'm listening you, to You're like Stan. in Denver Broncos withdrawal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it, the spring training has started. We're, yeah. we're getting all excited. Actually, I'm, I'm reading some headlines here. Go back to what we were talking about very early in our interview with Stan about how people have been trashing the U.S. government and how bad things are according yeah. to the candidates on the field. They're voting in Uganda for, uh, for there's, president. There's a primary in uh, Uganda? This is a general election, and the incumbent, uh, President uh, Museveni, has 63% of the vote. The opposition candidate uh, has 33% of the vote, and the government has decided to storm the headquarters of the opposition candidate and arrest him. The U.S. uh, embassy there has uh, strongly condemned this and is urging citizens to stay off the streets in the capital of Kampala. We don't have that here. As bad as things are, let's keep things in perspective. I, there's a there's a pony in there somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's, I mean, this yeah. is happening right now in yeah. another country. They're having a presidential election and they're arresting the opposition yeah. candidate. I mean, for all it's bad about the U.S. Well, government and okay. etc. This has been a great. There's a difference between a Monday through Thursday stand and a Friday stand. A Friday stand is more reflective, <laughs> more thoughtful. Come back Monday, grizzled and cynical <laughs> like you normally are. You know, it'll happen. It'll happen. Sam Collender with Corvus MSL Group, and uh, as you all know, has given us incredibly trenchant and oftentimes accurate perspective on our deficit and debt uh, hysteria. Actually, there's some real weight to it. And seriousness, I do urge you to read the executive summaries at the Congressional Budget Office. They're a great way to start uh, an intelligent discussion of where we're going with our national uh, bills. Where we're going with the tape is an improvement. Futures flat down to negative nine. I'm going to call that off the John Deere shock, maybe Brussels and Cameron, some of that as well. And we had a nice recovery on a correlated tape uh, in the last 20 or more minutes. Futures negative four, Dow futures negative 30. Oil 30.01 is up 30 cents, 30.30. Brent crude 33. 88 bonus round, Friday bonus round, another hour, another two hours of Bloomberg surveillance.